Welcome to It's Not Them, It's You, the show where we take ownership of our choices and where they have gotten us so far. I'm your host, Joy Dennis. Thanks for joining me. So the theme of today's episode is um, accepting yourself as you are. Mm-hmm. And sort of the opposite look of that is when we have an unrealistic expectation of what we should be able to be or do or have and how that gets in the way of just being friends i think with ourselves yeah it sort of forces the lens of failure hmm. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of writing something right now and the, one of the main characters is a slave to the other character mm-hmm. and it really gets in the way of their friendship that makes sense um <laughs> <laughs> and it, the the conclusion that i'm writing towards is that he can't have his friend be a slave anymore. Um, and so I guess, you know, that, that kind of relates a little bit here because if we're not friends with ourselves, then what are we? A lot of times we can just be our own adversary, mm-hmm. I would say, because we're a lot of, a lot of times our internal talk is something we would never say to a friend or to our child or to someone that we cared about at all and yet we sort of internally like bully ourselves yeah or we or we take some of i think you know usually there's an origin story on <laughs> some of the phrases that we tell ourselves over and over again someone told them to us or an idea was planted and we just keep repeating it and and maybe don't really take the time to say is that really true about me so i think that part of part of the journey into accepting ourselves for what <clears throat> we actually are is just telling the truth and it doesn't mean that we only want to say the good things but we can say i'm a combination of things and i'm allowed to be a combination of things sometimes i get angry sometimes i'm not my at my best yeah. but that's okay too right well, it, what you're saying kind of brings to mind that there there is a culture of negativity as a virtue to continue on with the virtue mm-hmm. yeah. uh theme from last episode you say it's like almost like false humility to yeah. talk down about yourself yeah, grumble brag. Um, <laughs> That's a great one. Where it's more culturally acceptable to uh, make a, a joke at your own expense than it is to just kind of be in the moment and accept your shortcomings, but don't be so down on yourself. Mm-hmm. But but also the other side of that is like, are we allowed to actually talk about our strengths or talk about ways that we feel good about ourselves because that is seen through a really negative lens too um i mean it, it depends on what you're talking about if we're talking mm-hmm. about um realistic face-to-face relationships mm-hmm. then that's then you should be able to say i'm proud of myself i did this well th- th- i mean it's all balanced right mm-hmm. a, it's a two-way street mm-hmm. like you're while you're appreciating the other person for their attributes hopefully they're appreciating you but another way this can go off the rails is to go online and you can see that all all we are is a culture of narcissists right who are are self-promoting i mean you probably found this podcast because we were self-promoting i'm sure um well there is the dark side of course right yeah and i mean it's like what i don't think we're going to solve it in the next 40 minutes of how we can make social media more human and more legitimately social um or you know more authentic or less about comparing or you know it's never going to actually 
be the relationship that we need to be in. No. But I think taking a more like realistic perspective, it takes, it takes a lot of vulnerability to be a real human being. And we, I think, struggle even just to be real with ourselves, let alone the world at large. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we fall down in, in that process is that we actually sort of don't even see some of our better qualities. We're just super nitpicky about perceived failures. Instead of saying, you know, instead of being able to say, yes, I have my shortcomings, but I also have my strengths. And within those two things, I'm kind of, I'm a balanced whole person. I think we always tend to lead one, lean one way or another. Well, I mean, it's like the, the most dreaded job interview question is, <laughs> tell me what, what you, what's your what, weakness? I definitely work too hard. Yeah. Right? Like that kind of thing. I'm, I'm way too humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, or... <laughs> Yeah, I, I work too hard. I work too hard or have a really hard time separating my home life and my work life. And I tend to lean towards being a workaholic. Could definitely be just sort of like a bait, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> work bait. Or you could say something <laughs> like, I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> yeah. And how, how do you take that statement? Are you really bad at lying or are you a terrible person because you lie so much? Right. Or can I even believe you? Because I'm not sure if this is alive right now or not. I feel like we've gotten off of the topic a little bit here. Well, accepting yourself as is. I think for some people that can say, again, like a sort of acceptance is a word that's taken the place of settling. And that it means to just be okay with being mediocre and (laughs) not having any sort of goals or dreams or or whatever and that's not really the angle here at all but real quick can i just jump in and say that that brought to mind this sketch on living color back in the 90s Mm. that was a commercial for an online dating service or some sort of dating service and it was called lowered expectations yeah exactly (laughs) exactly don't need too much and then you'll be maybe passably content right which is a great thing to keep in mind if you're dating yourself well and i think that dating yourself actually is a great way of looking at the kind of relationship you want to have with yourself the way you want to take care of yourself like a lot of levels of things that we tend to externalize in relationships Mm -hmm. that we could really bring home to have a healthier relationship with ourselves and i think that's really what this episode is mostly about is how do we cultivate healthy sort of friendliness towards ourselves because i know like there's plenty of parents out there who if their child makes a mistake they're gonna say hey you just made a mistake it's okay you know you can try again later or you know let's let's keep working on this i'm really disappointed in you no (laughs) but if they make a mistake there's like this berating that happens on the inside about what a failure they are and so that friendliness and like grace and gentleness that they can extend outside themselves to their children to their children or to their spouses or their friends or their coworkers doesn't come home I, I think that being a perfectionist myself, um, I, I don't know that I can go along with that fully. Um, I think that some things that happen for me are that I have a standard and sometimes I can meet it. And then the people around me, um, they're not getting in the car when it's time to go. <laughs> um 
Well, it definitely can go both ways. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> where you can have it, an unmeetable standard on the inside that you project outside too. Yeah. Well, and so just 20 minutes ago, I had moved a plant into the sunlight and then you went and you closed the curtain because the house is cold and I had a plan and old Grizz would have just flown off the handle of you. Right. <laughs> Went I never in, met old Grizz. W- went, in, <laughs> went into this scary, outrageous thing. No, no, no. Saying, how could you close the curtain? Don't you see what I'm doing here? Right? I, I don't feel like that's accurate portrayal <laughs> of yourself at all. Well, sometimes. But I'm sure that might have been how you felt on the inside. Sometimes I can get a bit snippy. You can. That's true. And it is because I'm a perfectionist. And I have really high expectations for myself. And therefore. <laughs> and you drag everybody else into it. Everybody's along for my ride. Mm. And, I mean, we've got, we have uh, more than one of those people in this house, you know? What do you mean by that, more than one of those people? I mean, I've I've passed that quality on to it. Oh, you have a perfectionist progeny. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Um, but it is that, I mean, this is like... And just, like, imagine having the two of us in the same room with each other, not meeting each other's expectations. Just... <sighs> Look at the nuclear bomb that's about to go it off. It happens. It yeah. happens. Where also the communication styles don't work. They're mm-hmm. not compatible. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, see, this, and the, the reason we're talking about this right now is because it is one of those paths to happiness. Whereas, like, we have to actually learn to be happy with ourselves in order to be happy. Yes. And, and self-acceptance is going to be one of the huge things on that road. Yeah. Is patience one of those things that we had talked about before? Patience is a virtue. Right. But I I think that what we're talking about now is not achievable without patience. Which I think is why it follows all of these other virtuous things. Because we, well, patience and gentleness and generosity to yourself. Like there's a whole gamut of skills needed in order to go inside and make friends. Yes. And I mean, the reason why I'm saying patience is because so much of uh, your happiness depends on you knowing that things are going to work out, mm-hmm. even though they aren't right now. Well, patience, I mean, that sounds like faith to me. Well, patience is waiting around. With, and with faith so you can relax. Did I say waiting around? Yeah, um, that's... It doesn't sound like what patience is. Patience is tapping your foot for mm. faith to catch up. Mm, no. Patience, I think, is more like just allowing what is to be. Like, like the, Tara Brock has a phrase that I appreciate in her book, Radical Acceptance. Uh-huh. And one of the things that she says is when she hits up on things that are uncomfortable, impatience, maybe ungenerous thoughts and things like that, one of the ways that she kind of comes back into the experience of it so that she can accept what's happening is nothing is wrong, right? Because even when we're impatient, we have this sense that something's wrong, right? Yeah. So nothing is wrong. Whatever happening right now, whatever is happening right now is just real life. And to come kind of back into this is just what living is and to make room for it. Right. And it's like just allowing space. Yeah. Um, I I may die before one of my children decides to put the seat down on the toilet. Uh, and what I'm saying is I have a lot of patience. <laughs> oh, is that what you're saying? Yes. 
we will die before a lot of people meet our expectations, including ourselves. Grim. Well, not really. I mean, it is just this. If we can make the goal to be friendlier to ourselves, then it's definitely going to mean that we're happier and friendlier to people on the outside of ourselves. Certainly. So what's the... Being gentle... What is the, the topic on this thing um, Accepting ourselves. Accepting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like when we make a mistake and we ask ourselves, what's wrong with me? That's the immediate conclusion that we are broken or dysfunctional or there is something inherently bad or you know, it leads to a lot of like guilt and shame story that kind of swirls around whatever happened versus to look at a mistake that was made and to say, I'm a human, I make mistakes. And now the next step is, you know, how do I fix this? Or can I fix this? Versus what's wrong with me? You know, like that immediate, like it's, this is very personal. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, because we also, we want to model something different for our kids too. It's not like, oh, you got a bad grade. What's your problem? What is wrong with you? Versus there's so many other responses to that. It's like, okay, so the material is really challenging or you didn't, you know, you could have spent more time learning it. Or, or you were or having a bad Or school is not day. very interesting at all. Right, school is not very interesting. Or, or you just like were having an off day and couldn't concentrate because something else was going on. But if we just go into... What's your problem? What's what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Then we immediately go to like that like you're you're dysfunctional instead of what are the what are the circumstances? Like it becomes very intimately personal instead of just another part of this is what real life looks like to live. I did. I mean, also, I was thinking how uh, um, somebody listening to this, and if you've listened to over a few different episodes, you've heard me say that my job has been this, and my job has been that, and my job has been another thing. And you might start wondering if I might be a pathological liar. <laughs> but No, you just uh, have a very diverse work history. Well, it it is because I haven't accepted my role and my job just putting it off for a long time oh so 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 do you feel like making friends with yourself and getting to know yourself better means that you can accept what's already there instead of trying to make something else be there yes i think i think uh like people's jobs are a perfect way to um distract yourself from the things that you really want mm -hmm. in your life i think yeah. I mean, scarcity I mean, is, it, the it's, big, is the big distractor. It certainly makes a good excuse. Right. Or a plausible excuse. So not a good excuse. when you're talking about this, <clears throat> like, shift for you, how has that impacted, like, your own personal road to happiness? I, honestly, I'm in a, a really scary place right now where um, destiny is in my hands. And that that tendency to um, avoid things because you feel like uh, an imposter or you like intentionally set yourself up for failure because you're, I don't know what that psychological... It's called self-sabotage. Self-sabotage, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That moment is upon me. I can definitely, like, my only choice is to go forward or to self-sabotage. I mean, that's been my choice 
all along. Um, it's just that having a day job is a is the way I procrastinated and avoided the issue. Well, your day job was like you always felt like maybe you needed a safety net, whereas now you're riding without the net, and it's really up to you to do it. Yeah, and it is super scary to say um, I am legitimately a creator, a an artist, a writer, mm-hmm. and that's the hat I wear, and it's not a hat. It's like it's just skin you wear. It's this. It is me. Yes. Right. It's yeah. Um, and you know, I can dawdle and drag my feet and like even like get a master's degree um, as a way of kind of deferring things instead of actually doing the work. So I, I find myself right now in the moment where you know I I'm confronting both like regret of like things that of time I let slip away but then also this again this sense of like well you could just you can do this and you can do it poorly (laughs) (laughs) you're finally doing it but you could totally screw it up (laughs) well you can you can do it and nobody's gonna like you um Um, I mean what do you mean when you say nobody's gonna like you like go yeah Go ahead, write that novel, write that screenplay, mm-hmm. and, you know, pack it away in your closet and die. Hmm. Uh, like you're putting your whole heart into it now, but it doesn't guarantee success. Right. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the way of the world. That's real life. Right. And the... But it'd be worse if you never wrote it, don't you think? Yeah. Because that's the alternative, is to keep slugging away at jobs you hate or get minimal satisfaction from... And never live your masterpiece. Like, that would be the saddest thing. Because your writing every day is the same as you living the work you're doing. Yes. You're living your masterpiece right now. Or maybe just the lead up to it. Who knows? You know, you've probably got more than one. Well, I, I always think it's funny when people write memoirs when they're 40. Like, <laughs> like okay, it's almost over now. When, when are you dying? Uh, right. I mean, I, I think that you have a lot. There's so much in you to offer. I mean, I'm very confident in in what you have like you're my baby genius <laughs> you know but at the same time it's like it would be so sad and i know that this has been part of my my heart for you over the years is i have felt so sad to see essentially this kind of like inner languishing as not living your art yeah and, but then here's the thing is i have time now to work mm-hmm. on it and i'm sitting there at the keyboard and it's really, really hard and taxing. And it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. A lot of effort. Um, it's like work. It, it is real, honest labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I, of course, there's this uh, conflation or confusion in society that the, if they enjoy a story that's written for them and they found it enjoyable... Well, that must not have been very hard to do to make it <laughs> because enjoyment is not work. Well, that's yeah, that's so off base. But that, that's the thing is like uh, as a consumer, mm-hmm. there's um, there's a misperception about who the laborers in the world are. about like people like people who rock climb as a hobby 
that is really, really hard work. Yeah. It's grueling and exhausting, but they still do it because there's a part of them that is like, get something out of it, like a freedom or a sense of accomplishment or whatever it is. I mean, I think about my aunt who like, she really inspires me because she walks the PCT trail and she walks, you know, PCH, no. Wait, PCT, PCT Pacific, oh, P, yeah, yeah, Pacific Crest Trail. Oh. PCT. And, you know, these massive hikes in Turkey and all these places where, you know, she's she's pushing 70, I think. But and it's hard work. And she talks about like just kind of these amazing experiences she has on the trail. But she wouldn't like when I talk to her, it's like this is her being her real self. And she wouldn't trade the effort and the hardship and the difficulty for anything else. Because when she's on the trail, that's her best life. uh, And me, as an unprofessional walker, (laughs) could say, well, that's just walking. How's that hard work? Like, do you see the correlation here? Right. You could be like, that looks pretty. You seem like you're enjoying yourself in every single picture. And I can't imagine, like, what it's like to, you know, have to shit behind a bush, you know, or whatever it is. I I can, but that's because I'm an Uber driver. Right. But it's like we don't, as an observer, we don't experience the hardship of sleeping on the dirt and the the bugs and the strangers and, you know, just all of the things that go into making that experience challenging, but not so challenging that it isn't just like life giving. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's the big difference is what if the jobs that we worked were life giving instead of life sucking, Mm -hmm. then we would be more happy. We would be more fulfilled. Right. And so your job is hard right now, but it is you. It's like you living you for reals. Right. So what's that Buddhist maxim? Right Right thought. thought, Right action. Right deeds. Speech. Yeah, right speech, right deeds. Mm -hmm. And right work. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yeah, right work. Um, And I I used to think when I was stuck in kind of like a rule-oriented mindset that right work meant don't work at a bar. Or don't be a prostitute. <laughs> um, but That's very moralistic. Right. That's what I meant. It's this, this rule-oriented person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really not what it's addressing. It's addressing our, is what you're doing bringing life to you and to others. Mm-hmm. This is where we have more control over our experience than we give ourselves credit for. Because we can, say, work in a job that maybe we don't enjoy, but orient our orient ourselves to still be the best version of ourselves within that scope. So we need servers at restaurants. There's nothing like that's a great occupation. A lot of people, it meets a lot of their social needs. It meets their interactive needs and it meets their financial needs. And so there's nothing like, there's no reason to like downplay it's a server's job. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you, you know, when you have a server who is like, I'm in it, I'm really here. I'm really doing my job and I'm in alignment with the job I have to do today. Yeah. And you can also have a server who you know is like, this fucking sucks and I don't want to be here. And it's a totally different experience for this for the diner, depending on where the server's coming from. And we actually have the control in our lives to decide how we're gonna show up no matter what we're doing. And we kind of get back whatever it is we put out, right? That's kind of that's a real thing. So the servers who give you a decent experience, they get a tip. They get your smiles, they get your thank yous, and the server who is just trying to, you know, who's who's not in it, really, 
and is hating every second of it, you're not going to be returning those kind of good vibes. No. And so that's how we actually define our own experiences. We put, we put good vibes out there more than likely, we'll get good vibes back, and we improve our own experience. Yeah, but that's you're talking about a performance next to somebody who's eating. Sometimes it is a performance, but I would say other times, I mean, having owned a coffee shop myself and a bakery, you know, I know when I'm like putting on a front and, and I know when I am genuinely just connecting with people because they're human and that my heart is in that moment of connection. Mm. And I felt like people who did come to our coffee shop experienced real moments of connection. Unless I was behind the counter. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah. but it's... But I know that that made a difference and I, and that I could align myself with the work that I was doing to show up authentically. Yeah. And showing up authentically when we're sad doesn't necessarily mean we can't be sad. But you still have to clock in. But we still have to clock in. And if we're being gentle with ourselves, it's likely that we can be gentle with others in the midst of that. For me, if I was having a hard day and I was serving, it just looked like a little bit quieter, a little bit more reserved. But I also know myself well enough that I can set it aside, do the job that needs to be done, but not become angry or resentful about it. So, Like a donkey. Just sort of plot along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, look at Eeyore. Model of Eeyore compl- happiness. He complains constantly. I suppose. <laughs> yes. Are you okay? Yeah, my eyes are just itchy, I guess. Uh, I thought you were crying because I finally found my life purpose. I finally found my special purpose. Eeyore? No. No, I was crying earlier when I was talking about witnessing, sort of... Witnessing the bloom of the big stink plant finally coming out after a hundred (sighs) years? No, it was more like witnessing (laughs) your struggle before we got to where we are. It was a sad cry. It wasn't an excited cry. Though I am, like, as the person who's been just witnessing you for almost 24 years now, plus, Uh I try not to talk about it too much because I don't want to, like overdo it or feel like I'm pushing you towards something you don't want. So like my approach has always been to stand back a little bit and make room and not have it feel like my, like I know you prioritize my happiness pretty highly. Yeah. So I don't ever want to feel like my happiness hinges on yours. Yeah. There's also fear of starvation. Well, and I know you uh, also don't want to disappoint. Like that's a big one. So I've kind of like held my peace because I don't want to, like, put a lot of emotional influence in your process. But I am super proud of you and really excited to see you doing you in, like, the biggest way yet. Well, thank you. And I'm also super happy that, like, for once, you don't have to be earning the money. Well, it's not that I want to work for free. No, I mean, I know you're working for me, technically, right now, but I feel like we're just working together. No, I mean, like, the art and uh, writing that I produce, mm-hmm. um, it will be paid for. Absolutely. For <clears throat> you to be able to wait for that while you give it 100% of your attention, mm-hmm. or at least 85% of your attention, mm-hmm. is... It's more like 60. <laughs> is, is super, How about 55? It's super exciting. You know, because I really feel like over the years you you have put your time in on working to support our family. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share with someone you think might enjoy the experience too. You can also subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss a single episode. Share, like, subscribe. To ask questions, get feedback, or to have input on what topics we may cover in future episodes, email me at itsyoupodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in learning more about working with me as a client, head over to joyfullifeintuitive.com. Until then, remember, it's you.